0: Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today's topic is key takeaways from Manifest with my friend Pam Simon. How's it going, Pam?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. First off, for those who don't know, what is Manifest? And give me the full title.
1: Manifest, the future of logistics is here, is a global technology show focused on the logistics industry. So we are the only show that actually covers the entire scope of the supply chain. So from Maritime through last mile and within the four walls. Focusing on the technology that is disrupting, shaping, and changing the future of logistics.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people who went there. And, you know, you guys did it right here. in smack in the middle of Omicron. When every, I can tell you, I'm the bellwether for who's going where because I always ask people what conference you're speaking at, were you attending? And we had a big dip during COVID, obviously. And then, in the last six months, people started going, well, the last eight months, people started going out again. And this last two or three months, they're like, oh, we're back home. We're grounded again. <laughs> and then you guys had your conference. But I guess it was still a pretty good success. And by the way, where was your conference at?
1: The conference took place at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas. And we had about oh,
0: fifteen
1: hundred attendees.
0: I stayed at the Paris right when it opened. That's a beautiful place. Yeah. And it, does it snow in Vegas in uh, January?
1: It wasn't snowing when we were here. It was cold. It got a little chilly at night, but uh, it's, cold it's cold. not
0: north northeast or Midwest cold. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thankfully, there's not. a
0: reason we go to Vegas. So, so tell us a little bit about what is your title and where do you work?
1: So, I'm the conference chair of Manifest, and Manifest is under the umbrella of Connective, which is a larger event studio. So, we've produced events in insurance tech, in HR, and a number of other verticals. But I'm the conference chair of Manifest.
0: Right. So is this this is Manifest's first year, right?
1: Yes. And it comes really from my my f- previous show, really. So before this, I was at Lab Ventures. And while at the fund, I launched a series of boutique conferences, one of them being Future of Logistics Tech. And at the end of 2019, Connective acquired my series. So with the acquisition, we're able to transform what was my boutique show into this global gathering in Vegas.
0: Yeah. From what I understand, it was quite. And by the way, I do know I I won't mention names because it's not nice, but I do know that not every conference has worked out this In January, there was a there's conferences that couldn't get the uh, traffic that they wanted. And again, people, people backed out for a lot of different reasons. But I think some people are shorthanded, some are worried about Omicron, whatever. So congrats on that being successful. So before we get into the topic here, tell us a little bit about you, Pam, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? and give us some career highlights before you join connective.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm from Providence
0: and manifest.
1: <laughs> I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. So originally Rhodey. I went to George Washington University in DC and then was living in New York for a number of years. While in Very New nice. York, I launched a my first tech event actually getting into tech. I launched my first tech event in New York called Future of and it was this monthly event series. And it grew into something much larger than me, but it was it was wonderful to do. And then in 2010, my husband and I moved to Brazil.
0: Whoa, where'd you live in Brazil?
1: We spent three years in Rio and two in Sao Paulo. And having been what so- What were you doing down there? Well, having been involved in the tech scene in New York, um, when we moved down to Brazil, this was really the very beginning of Brazil having a tech scene. So- what you know? I'm I'm an ecosystem builder. I'm a connector. So for me, I ended up producing the first demo day to ever take place in the country. So now, if you go to wait, what is what is demo day? <laughs> I'm from an accelerator. So accelerators put on different a, a demo day is really for an accelerator to showcase the different portfolio companies to investors and media and partners. You know to help them grow and establish. Very nice. And then I produced the first Entrepreneur Week to take place in the country as well. So, really had this amazing network and with that I launched my own, you know, logistics Latam Founders. So, it was a private network for investors and CEOs in tech. If you wow. look at the um, if you look at the ecosystem of Brazil now and you see all of the unicorn companies like Gympass and Loggy and NewBank, those are the companies that were in my network before they are what they are today. So, I was hosting different events, helping them with their early fundraising rounds, early partnerships, you know, really shaping what Brazil's ecosystem looks like now.
0: Very nice. You know, it's funny, one of the things that comes up a lot of my podcast, partly because it's my own bias, but how quickly we are here in the States starting to recognize the importance of our neighbors to the South, not just Mexico. I, I joke about this. I learned French when I was in school, which was a long time ago. Why the hell was I learning French and not Spanish? I have no idea. Um, my kids went to school and they learned Spanish. Of course, they don't always get to speak it, but at least they they took it. And I think we we should do more business in in Mexico. And it's a, let's face it, we learned the challenges of getting stuff from China to here. <laughs> As we start to near shore stuff, I, I know we're going to near shore stuff here to Mexico and in, in North America, Canada, of course, but all those countries down. In South America, Latin America is like thirty some countries, and we understand those countries. But we're like twenty percent Hispanic here in this country. We get them more or less. We we love their food, right? We, sure. We've embraced their culture. I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. My sister lived down in San Paulo for th- three years, nice. and yeah, she, yeah, she loved she loved it. Other than San Paulo's got ridiculous traffic. Oh, that's. That drove terrible yeah.
1: the traffic is the it's the third worst traffic in the world so it is pretty terrible traffic um,
0: and she always says she goes i'm glad my son learned to play soccer in brazil she goes because wherever he goes after that <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like who's that kid <laughs> but yeah they've got a lot going on that's a cool cool opportunity so when did you move back and why?
1: We moved back because of my, well, we were doing Brazil, New York, Miami, kind of living two months, two months, two months. Because my, my husband jet a jet He was head of credit for Latin America for JP Morgan. So he was in a different country most of the week. So then when we came back, a few of the investors that were part of my LATAM Founders Network wanted to launch a fund in Miami called Lab Ventures and called me so i actually joined them as a partner and helped launch lab ventures which is a it's a venture capital fund and company builder so when we started to do some company building you know we looked at the look at the ecosystem of miami and you know logistics travel and real estate are really the three dominating industries that are here so that's what we're focusing on with my experience how do you build and strengthen, you know, personal professional relationships and and business was always with event or kind of matchmaking. And I kind of put people together. So I suggested that we do a series of events. So I had launched Future Logistics Tech as well as travel and real estate. And at the end of 2019, Connective acquired my series. So that's- Very nice. That's how how you ended
0: up in Connective. (laughs) So yeah, so I remember I did a, I did a whole bunch of uh, webinars with some Latam or Latin America people and a lot of Panama stuff with my friend, Demo Perez down there. And um, he's been on the podcast. And one of the things we, well, what I learned is that Miami is one of the hubs or maybe the capital of Latin America business, because that's where we connect. And obviously Spanish is a language they speak down there and uh, we're all about doing biz here. So. That, that is very cool. Yeah.
1: We, we always joke, I mean, like 95 ends here. So we're basically not in America anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that way, 95, that the highway?
1: The highways, <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. For those out to the Midwest, we take 75 down to Mexico, to, not to Mexico, down to, uh, <laughs> so if you're dro- going from the you're Going North from the East, New York, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. One of the things I noticed, um, I always went to Naples. I've gone to Naples, Florida a lot and Sarasota. I've got a kid, one of my kids is down there. And forever, if you went down to Naples or that side of Florida, the the Gulf side, you would just see Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, those people from the Midwest, and you would never see a Boston plate. You would never see a Philly plate. None of that, right? Never. <laughs> and then it got so expensive on the on the ocean side that they all flooded over. And all of a sudden, Naples went from, isn't this a cool... Cool seaside town where you can buy affordable condos too. Oh, that condo's $1.5 million. It's (laughs) for that 800 square feet. Very nice. Thanks, New York. (laughs) Anyway, enough of my blather. So... Let's talk a little bit about the key takeaways from Manifest. I, I talked to I talked to Courtney. Who's what?
1: What is Courtney's job over at your company? She's the president of Manifest.
0: Okay, so I talked to her the other day at your at your suggestion, and she was so excited about what you guys are doing. And then I'm finally talking to you about it, and it really sounds interesting. So give me some key takeaways on on Manifest. What was the first thing that you go? This was this was the cool part about being here.
1: I mean honestly it was the the convergence of the entire logistics ecosystem in one place right it was the first show to really include investors startups major players from around the world we had speakers from over 27 different countries so you know with that we really created you know a full ecosystem of of high level executives in logistics and supply chain so that was it was really amazing to see so many people that were reconnecting with people and partners that they hadn't seen in a while. And then all of these new relationships starting to starting to flourish, right? Like we're, we're still hearing from different companies that are emailing us saying, hey, I have meetings with the people I met last week, or I'm an uh. investor, I'm like, I'm so excited, we're raising around. So it's, for me, I love watching kind of the different connections unfold. And that only happens when you bring all the pieces of the puzzle together.
0: Well, that's the name of your uh, your parent company, Connective. So <laughs> that's what you guys are supposed to do. Yeah, you mentioned more I should say I when I talked to Courtney the other day, she said, Oh yeah, the guys from um I might mispronounce this, Sendal. She Sendel. goes, from Australia. I go, Really? Mm-hmm. I'm like Australia, that's like a that's like an eighteen hour flight over here. I'm like yeah. so But I guess uh, you guys, you you attracted them. Good for you.
1: We did. We had people, there were also people that had flown over from, you know, from Australia, from all over Asia that were there for CES and actually just stayed in Vegas through for Manifest.
0: Now, what does CES stand for?
1: The Consumer Electronics Show.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that's a big show in Vegas. And I've seen, I think like you see TMZ will be there sometimes because they get like a lot of those companies get, well, I think they have investors from Hollywood, But they also have, you know, promoters from Hollywood. And man, it's like it's funny that, like, you think about the geekiest place on Earth would be some tech thing. And but you know, it's got cool somewhere along the line. All that money made it cool. (laughs) So you had the CES people bleeding into your into your uh, event. Very nice. So. Yeah. And when we were prepping for this, we you mentioned that convergence. We were talking about like the idea of all the different silos in this business. There's a lot of people who listen to my podcast who just are are in freight, freight brokerage and or own trucks. But there's also freight forwarders and there's also all the tech guys and all the specialized services along the way. And the people we're serving, they went like end to end, right? From the time I make the order to the time I get paid, right? That's what our... A lot of our customers want. That's what the supply chains want from us. So we got to knock down those silos and, and the information silos we know about because we live with those, but we all have to become more knowledgeable about what that end-to-end looks like.
1: Exactly. And, and being able to showcase that was something that was very cool. Uh, I can tell you kind of looking back at our data, over 20,000 unique connections were made at the event.
0: Wow. So, how do you measure those?
1: Um, I mean, like within the app, we can not necessarily individualize, but see the different the different connections that are made.
0: That is so very we did, cool. we did did
1: incorporate some technology into our badging system where you could just kind of tap someone else's badge and it would share the info, share each other's contact information. So that would oh,
0: impact. isn't that cool? So it's all on your phone, or is it?
1: It would go to your phone, but on your badge, you kind of like held up your badge and it would like beep and just send all the information. Oh,
0: so- Barcodes is so yesterday for you guys, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. We didn't have no barcodes. We had that. So, so that was that was. Do
0: people crazy. even hand those out anymore? Do you, do you see people with business cards? Because it's funny. I never have business cards. I mean,
1: me. I do. Just <laughs> I have business cards, but yeah, you, you saw less of that, and you didn't even need it with the with the app and, and the different technology that, we that had.
0: is very cool. I, I'll have to get there next year so I can see all this cool technology. So. The first one is this convergence of all the different companies, all the different not just not just logistics guys, but investors, the tech guys, all the convergence, and oh, by the way, I wrote it down here. Ludicrous was there, <laughs> very nice, very nice. So what was the, what was another key takeaway?
1: I mean, definitely our women's luncheon, which was sponsored by DHL project thirty four and AI was very powerful. It was actually overflowing because the amount of people that were trying to get into it. We had um, Luann Abrams, who's the CEO of CEOX. We have a conversation with Meredith Singletary, who is the head of diversity and inclusion for DHL. and. I mean, the, the conversations across the board were were very enlightening and inspiring. Right. You know, we talked about the difference of mentoring and sponsoring other women in the industry and how you can help empower and promote more women fellows to, you know, hopefully reduce the gender gap in these higher level positions.
0: Yep. When we are prepping for, well, actually, by the way, when I talked to Courtney on Friday, she mentioned that. This wasn't just women at this, this luncheon. It was 40% guys.
1: And, and there were men that were, I mean, I got messages from a lot of men after the event being like, I can't believe I missed it. Can I go to the next one? Uh, which is right. great. I mean, and it shouldn't, I mean, for a women's lunch, that doesn't mean it's just for women. The conversation is for everybody. Everyone should be part of it.
0: Right. Well, when we were prepping for this, we talked about this as this is an industry that is tech, typically more male I think it's probably 60-70% male depending where you're at. But one of the challenges you always run into is when you're all, you know, all guys or you know, mostly guys and then you go to sell a large account, let's just say let's just say a Walmart. And you get there and they've worked really hard to end up with I should say worked really hard. They ended up with an organization that has more women or more, and and then not not like men and women can't work together, but it helps to be able to say yeah, we have women on our team who maybe understand that that dynamic better. Maybe there's a better connection. And and certainly there's a different viewpoint. And I think one of the things that we talked about, you know, just before we hit record is this idea that maybe we need to um, recruit differently. And if we're going to retain women, maybe, you know, they do take a a larger role in child rearing, obviously. They're going to have the babies. They're going to be more likely to take off work. And they're more likely to stay at home with a a parent who's sick and you know I think some of those gender roles are changing but as of right now there has to be a recognition that well, women I mean it's kind of biological women do care more <laughs> both, about kids that sounds so sad to say as a father but it's it's true if you're a dad you recognize yeah the wife's commitment is higher than mine ever was we have to recognize that and and if i mentioned to you my my now ex wife she stayed at home with her kids. And when she came back to work after like 12 years, she said, I started over again. She was entry level. And it was very frustrating for somebody who's very smart and very accomplished. But 10 years is a lifetime in the business world. It is. And we have to do better. We have to be able to make some flexible works. I think we could do three days a week sometimes. They say, Hey, this is a, a valuable person. She's so going to go three days a week for the next couple of years. But we're going to keep her part of the organization so we don't want to lose her.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
0: (laughs) I think we are so so penny wise and dollar foolish sometimes when it comes to headcount. And right now, we are all living this constrained headcount. And one of the reasons I think is because we've had this um, very rigid, you work five days a week, eight or 10 hours a day, 50 weeks a year. That's what you have to work. Would 40 weeks kill us (laughs) for for somebody who says, I I want the summer off because my kids are off and you only live once.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, so, and, you know, I would also say this, and this is kind of secondary, but it's definitely out there. A lot of companies have ESGs, what is that, Environmental Sustainability Governance Goals. They want to be good corporate citizens. And I think these larger companies that a lot of us are serving have ESG goals that might include We want to hire more minorities. We want to hire more disabled people, whatever the, whatever the, they're reaching out to the community at large and saying, we want to, we want to, our organization to better reflect this changing world we live in. And we have to do that in our business. And it's not easy, but this is, it's, I think there's, I I think it's not just for checking the box and saying, oh boy, do you see we have... Four women manager and one in senior management. That that's not the point. (laughs) The point is there's some business value. I think women have a different leadership style that is more consensus based, usually. Yeah. (laughs) We've all been in, I think dudes can always say this. I you work for a guy and he gets promoted, and all of a sudden it's like, Am I competing with my boss? (laughs) Like he doesn't want me to succeed, he wants to win. Anyway. Enough of my blather. What's another thing beyond beyond Convergence and beyond this women's luncheon that you guys had?
1: I think on the, the tech front, I mean, to be able to see all of the the autonomous and electric vehicles lined up together, um, Forbes actually wrote a whole piece on it just because, you know, the the author writing it was like, I'd never seen all of the different, you know, Oh, you have to Kodiak, give me that link. People I'll send it to you from Kodiak to Simple and Ride you know, you had XOS trucks, you had Gatic. I mean, to see all of them in a row was quite powerful to see like the, the differences you had. Plus that was also doing ride alongs. So you could do like an autonomous ride along with plus.
0: Oh no. So you're, when you're riding in that car, there's nobody at the wheel.
1: Right. Like it's, it was a truck, amazing in the truck, the truck. <laughs> but it's, it's an incredible experience to, to see, to, to just witness. And then, you know, for companies thinking about using that technology to be able to like get that hands-on experience. In addition to the the vehicle side of things, we also had a lot of the the robotics, right? So warehousing and robotics within the four walls, zipping around the room. Swisslog had a beer serving robot, which was quite entertaining. Nomadic <laughs> would, you know, set up a golf the golf for you, and then you would hit the ball. So it would like part of the whole ARM process. Right, it had bots that were like zipping through the hallways so it was it was just very cool to like really see all the different technology that we've been reading about and talking about the last few years. I think for people to be able to get that hands-on experience with it, I mean, that was something that everyone was smiling. Like you People were so excited to be able to really like get the get the full experience of it and, and also sizing, right? Like you don't know how big these things are, how much they're able to move until you see it in action
0: right. So you mentioned the autonomous vehicles. Are they were there also electric vehicles there, you said?
1: Uh, yeah, XOS had their, their trucks set up as well.
0: Now are those are those long haul trucks or are those
1: Well Enride does Enride is, is electric and autonomous. And their pod is it I mean, it's one of the cooler things that you'll see on the road. They are they have expanding into the US very heavily so. So I think we will be seeing a lot more of these very cool pods on our roads very soon.
0: When you say pods, what do you mean by that? Is it's
1: That's what they're called. I mean, like it's it's the name of, that's what they're calling it. But it does, it's like a, it's a very futuristic, white, cool looking truck. I don't know how to also explain it. It, sensors, it can see everything, you know. It's, if
0: you give me a link, I'll put a link in the show notes and everyone can take a look at it. Because I would like to look at that myself. And it, it's, I know like we think like that final mile, you know, from the warehouse or from the store to your home. We know those are going to be electric. It's relatively soon, and that's easy. I think one of the bigger challenges we have, and and is the longer haul vehicles. And I know there's some, but they need that they need to charge too often. So I know we're we're still working on that. And I know um I know there's companies out there that are doing it. It's just it's not. It's I think the electric vehicles for the final mile are a lot closer than those long haul.
1: Yeah, and I think for for a long haul, at least from you know listening to the the different panel discussions, I think across the board. I mean, Don Burnett from Kodiak said it well. Most likely by 2024, we'll see more of a big rollout, like really hitting the roads for autonomous.
0: That's that's incredible, incredible. So, and then you started to talk a little bit about warehousing robotics, and we were prepping. We talked a lot about this. Is it, it's the warehousing business has changed so much. We we expect so much from these fulfillment centers. Anybody who's getting something delivered to their house, that went through a fulfillment center and those fulfillment centers need people. And what we've learned is that's a hard job. You know, you're going to, it's just like we've undervalued truck drivers for a long time. And we, during the pandemic, we paid for it. We undervalued dock workers and people who work in those warehouses. And I think that's a really hard job. You are not going to find people doing that job if we don't get the right automation, the right technology, the robots, whatever it takes. So I'm not doing backbreaking work, but also to make them more productive with technology. And also, one last thing, it's a whole different gig if I go to that warehouse in the morning and you put on all that cool technology. I got the wristband that allows me to scan. I got the goggles or the glasses, or maybe I'm scanning with the phone. And I can look and say, this is sort of a tech job. I'm, I'm, in, I'm logistics tech as opposed to I'm just a strong back who can walk around all day because that doesn't last.
1: Right. No, I, I agree. I think the, the different trainings that are going to be happening going into robots and, and humans collaborating and working together, I think it's a whole different level than it, than it used to be, even with the wearables that are available now.
0: Right, and you said if that robot is has learned to serve beer, mm-hmm. then, <laughs> then I can be friends with that robot. <laughs> right,
1: again, friendlier and friendlier. <laughs>
0: Years ago, I was at Honda Automotive Manufacturing Center, HAM, they call it, fancy name, down in Ohio. This is a long time ago, and I remember um, I was working on the assembly line. There was a quality issue. I was an engineer trying to figure out what was going wrong with these parts, And all day long, there was this robot that would whiz by with these, I don't know what it was doing, but it was whizzing by, back and forth past where we were working. And it was like whistling or something like, it was was singing like this, and I was like, why is that making that noise? And somebody there said, oh. Like the Japanese guys who designed it thought that the robots would be happier if they could whistle or sing while they're at work. And I was like, Seriously, I was like, I was just thinking that was making that bad noise so it doesn't hit anybody, so it doesn't sneak up on anybody. I was like, this a brand new world we're living I wanted
1: in. The robots to be happy and whistling while they were working.
0: Well, there's the one <laughs> robot that's serving beer, so that's a good start. <laughs> so, anyway... We've talked about this convergence of all the technology and the money and the logistics guys and all the cool stuff. Talked about women's luncheon, which was super successful. You talked about autonomous and electric vehicles, all those. I'd love to see those. You talk about warehousing, robotics, and automation. One thing, sustainability. I know when we are prepping, you talked a lot about sustainability. What came up at your conference on sustainability?
1: I mean, as the world looks to achieve like net zero emissions, that has intensified over the last few years with e-commerce, with at-home deliveries. And so, you know, we heard from Sendel, which was, you know, from Australia, as you mentioned, they've been delivering packages um, and, and really offsetting their carbon footprint in a number of different ways. We heard from H and M, IKEA, BMW Ventures—you know the different, you know, ways that they're trying to achieve this. Whether it's you know looking at data and being able to just, as you said, with visibility and full end end of the supply chain, looking at the data, looking at the issues—you know—you can really get more granular into figuring out how can I offset it in each little spot to then start making a bigger impact across the board. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's and you know I say this a lot on my podcast. I'm saying it again. Guys, when when that big brand hears from their customers, the consumers, you and me, that they want sustainability, that big brand's going to look at us. And if you didn't start yesterday, it's too late. I mean, so you got to start right now because, and I think we can all start really small on this, like join Smartway. There's no reason you can't start with Smartway. That's a public-private organization that promotes sustainability. I think also... Put one thing on your scorecard. You're measuring money, you're measuring on-time performance. You can put one thing on there. And if you measured empty miles, you know, maybe a trucking company can measure empty miles. Maybe you can measure one little thing. It's a start. And it doesn't take that much. And I think that's where we need to go because it's not, it's not in anybody's wheelhouse. Most companies didn't start saying, yeah, we are going to be sustainable. But I think it's going to be asked of us. And yeah, and I think also I mentioned this when I was talking to Courtney the other day. I think it's Timberland Boots,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which obviously the brand's all about being outdoors. I think I heard from somebody in my podcast that rather than deliver the boots like overnight, like I want those boots and I need them right now. I'm not going to use them for a week, but I need them right now on my on my porch. They said, if you give us up to a week to deliver those boots, we will plant a tree in your name. Right. Which is really on brand. But it's also saving them some, I'm assuming it's saving them some
1: emotion
0: and it's saving, it's saving maybe some money. And I think that's what we need to get to because we all say as consumers, same day, next day, I need it. And you don't often need it. Now, we've gotten in that mode of I need it right now. I think there'll still be some of that, but I think there is an environmental cost that comes with making... Yep, I needed that stapler. I needed delivered to my house right now. <laughs> and you're like, "Did you really?"
1: <laughs> yeah, and Sendle Sendle's doing an amazing job with that. They actually created um, these stickers of of all the different animals that are you know suffering because of the different situations there. And whenever you do offset your package, you can choose like where that money or where that energy. Can I love go. it. So there's different. They support different organizations kind of around the world, whether it's a specific animal species or, a, you know, an area that was dam- like, you know, damaged by fires. So, you know, not only can it be giving back, but, you know, as a consumer, if you really care, you can then even choose, you know, where you're putting it, your efforts back into as well. So like the, the things that matter to you more than others.
0: Yeah. By the way, guys, I've said this before in my podcast, and I'll probably say it again. 80% of greenhouse gases come from the supply chain. So when we're at home and they're saying, recycle, don't use as much water, those are all important. But the real money, the real greenhouse gases is coming from our work. And so don't be surprised as, as the government, if, if we don't do this ourselves, the government it will lean in on us. Right. And I think, you know, there's, I have a good friend and sometimes he'll argue that, you know, this is nonsense. And I, by the way, I, I don't know. I don't care. I don't, I don't care whether it's right or wrong. Customers are asking for it. So you can say, well, yeah, but I don't even believe... You can start to tell me why you don't believe greenhouse gases are contributing to environmental problems, but it really doesn't matter. You're not going to convince a customer of that. If they say, I don't care, it's on my list of things that I want from my 3PL. (laughs) So tell me what you're doing about it. It's like if somebody said, you know, we want better customer service from you, Pam. And you go, hmm. No, we're not really into that. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, of course you're into that.
1: (laughs) I'll pass. Like, no,
0: right? I think I think brands are going to start giving us a price tag that says this cost twenty dollars, and here's the environmental impact for getting it overnight or getting it, you know, in a week. We we are going to get to that place. It's just like it's just like the donut you buy. When you look and go, oh, I bought a donut, it cost a dollar, whatever it does. You don't think to yourself, oh my God, this donut's expensive. You go, I should not eat these calories. Right, exactly. Same thing going going on with buying. At some point we're going to go, yeah, I really want these sweaters, but do I need them overnight? There is an environmental cost. Right. (laughs) I'll tell you, brands are also, I think e-commerce brands have to improve the way they do the sizing. People are still bracketing where they buy, bought that in. Medium. I bought it in small. I bought it red, brown, and green. Tried them all on. Sent five back. No, we can't. They have to help us do something. So you go. I saw that sweater on me, and I love that color. Right. <laughs> Virtual. That's the metaverse, fellas. So I'm going to summarize, and uh, then I want your final thoughts on this before before we go. So we're talking about manifest, which was in Vegas, and went from what time to what time?
1: It, it just took place, uh, I was like two weeks ago. So it was January 25 to 27, just happened.
0: At the, at the Paris, which is one of the better places to be. So you guys talked a lot about this convergence, this end-to-end, end-to-end visibility collaboration. You talked about all the players being in one place global players, finance players, logistics, tech, everything, even ludicrous was there. So that convergence was one part of it. Talk about the women's luncheon and the importance of that and them being so successful. And I think it's 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 telling how many men were interested, 40% being dudes who were like, and hopefully they weren't just there to see women. They were there to say, oh, this is who I want to hire.
1: Learning. <laughs> we're learning. Trust me, we got a lot of good feedback of like, wow.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Good, good. So we talked about... Uh, the autonomous and the electric vehicles all be in there. So you could look and even go for a test ride. Uh, we talked about this warehousing and robotics and automation and the future of tech in that space, which is, again, we all have to learn this space. So there's a lot of us who are freight brokerage or tr- transportation guys. This, let's face it, we need to know that end of it. And then you talked about uh, sustainability. So, final thoughts.
1: Uh, and I guess the only put thing- a bow on this bad boy. <laughs> the only thing we didn't really mention, I think, the best quote I heard was from Blythe at D- Digital Dispatch, who said, "You know, this isn't your grandfather's show. It's not your grandfather's uh, There were yeah. a lot of unique ways that we created shared experiences, like, and at the end of the day, a shared experience is the best way to build and strengthen. Your relationships a- across the board, so yes, we had Ludicrous perform at the closing party, which was a blast. Geotis sponsored a puppy lounge. Oh,
0: I saw, I saw Blythe Broomleaf, who you just mentioned from Cyberly and Digital oh. Dispatch. She had a picture on LinkedIn of herself with these puppies. Yes, and you said was it was Ge- a Geotis. You said?
1: Geotis, yeah, Geotis sponsored the puppy lounge. Geotis. and it was. It was amazing. I mean, just like the people that you were able to like connect with whilst playing with puppies, you know, was, was something that you can't, I mean, where are you going to do that? Like nowhere else. So like, it was very cool was really idea. Crazy, the, the amount of connections and new business that that's going to come from this show, like already, I mean, I, I can't really say names specifically yet, but I mean, there will be a lot of new announcements of very large companies that are going to be working together because of the conversations they had at Manifest. There's going to be a bunch of announcements from startups that have received funding from investors that they met at the show. I mean, we had, you know, over 60 different VC funds at the show, you know, so wait, how many over 60, I think there was a click closer to 70, but about 60 funds that were there, you know? So I think, I think it's got a much bigger long-term impact coming to manifest while it is an annual thing it really does have a long term effect on on you on your business on just across the board
0: very nice very nice and this is the first year and I did hear again I talked to logistics people all week every week so <laughs> yeah. I did hear a lot of people going there and I did hear a lot of positive buzz and again I you guys there was other conferences than this than January that did not have the success they wanted because of People staying home because of Omicron. So I think the the lure of this cool conference in Vegas <laughs> in January was was pretty, uh, pretty big. And I think when you say, hey, there's this many VCs and people looking for money or looking for funding, they're like, I will brave COVID. And I think the VCs are like, well, if all these tech guys and all these logistics guys are there, I'll wear a mask. So good stuff. So before you go, tell us a bl- little bit more about Connective and Manifest and what's I, I know you guys are, don't do this every day. So how do we how do we keep in touch with you between now and the next conference?
1: Yes. Well, first of all, put January 30th to mar- to February 1st, 2023, in your calendar.
0: Wait, say that one more time. January 30th to what?
1: January 30 to February 1st, 2023, will be the next manifest. So mark your calendar because frankly. I mean, I think we're we're only at the beginning of, of the disruption that's happening in this industry. So, oh, yeah. and especially with, with Omicron and all the things we have to deal with, I think next year's show will be, you know, we'll bring together even more amazing people. You know, from this past event, you know, we represented over $65 billion on stage. We had, you know, over 30 Ooh. something unicorns on stage. So I think, you know, with the numbers and the industry growing so much and really recognizing that. You know, tech is such an important play. I think it's it's just the beginning. There's a lot to come. For those, you know, to keep up with us throughout the year, definitely sign up for The Fest, which is our weekly newsletter. Um, it does like, I mean, we pull together a full roundup of really everything that's happening, whether it's funding or news in the industry. And it's just very easy to digest. It's great. I do a fireside chat series, so you'll be able to find that on our video library on the Manifest website where I interview different CEOs and investors about the different, you know, announcements and and stuff that they have coming up. And then obviously follow us on on LinkedIn. We're very active on, on LinkedIn.
0: Well, that's excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to, if you give, do you have, do you have the uh, next year's a link to next year's event yet? Or is it too early?
1: I think you can sign up for that. We haven't we haven't made tickets available yet, but um, we're soon, soon, very soon for sure. I want to
0: get the if you had a sign up of any sort, please give it to me. And then the fest and the fireside chat and then LinkedIn. If Pam, if you give it to me, I will put all those things into the show notes. And I would also like to put a link to the Forbes article if you give it to me. And then you mentioned that um, there was that pod that the pod yes, company yeah. that driving down. <laughs> Yeah, please, please give me a video for that. I'll put all those links in the show notes so people can check out what was going on. See if you didn't go, what you missed while you stayed at home, afraid.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Pam. Thank you so much. I really, I, I. Now that we're time on, I'm like, damn, why didn't I go there next now year? You know, next now year you know
1: for next year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's what's not to like? Again, I I. I think this time of year in the Northeast, not Miami perhaps, but in the Northeast <laughs> and in the Midwest, we could use a little break. We Sounds good getting out of the cold weather. Pam, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah, it was really fun. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward.